diseases. But we are praying. have a different mind, the next day you go back and pick that old mind. But you carry a mind that is different from what you yourself can even do. You carry a mind that reflects Jesus Christ. A mind that, you know, when, 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 when we realize the scriptures, we, we spend time on this, that, you see, the mind of the old disappointed us and failed us. In the Garden of Eden, the devil came to discover mankind and the blessings the Lord has placed on mankind. And the devil was able to deceive mankind through the mind. After everything that God has said, 
after experiencing the sovereignty and the power of his creation, yet man could fall short to the schemes of the evil one. Hallelujah. So it means that when we were born, we were born out of that very attitude of mind. So when Apostle Paul says that be renewed in your mind, he's talking about making sure that we have a transformed mind, a mind that is now not defeated by the schemes of the evil one, but a mind that is able to overcome the schemes of the evil one. Amen. You didn't get me here. See, the evil one is not going to stop scheming. But the change here is that either you are going to fall into the schemes or to be able to overcome it. And being able to overcome it is to have a renewed mind. The mind of Jesus Christ. The mind of Christ. So the Bible says that after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the evil one showed up. And he said, if you are truly the son of God, turn these stones to bread. And we talked about this. I'm not going to go there for the sake of time. How many of us would have turned that stone into bread? When we were at Rehoboth, the way some people were so hungry. I was concerned about my own life. <laughs> because the pastor had brought them to a place. There was no food. And he said, let's fast. Did you even ask my condition before you took me, pastor? And my brother's like, you know, pastor, 12 o'clock, we have to break this over. And I was saying to myself, Jehovah God, help me. Because we are not breaking this at 12. But when there is a new renewed mind, it doesn't matter how long the Lord will take. You still have time to wait upon him. Amen. Amen. So Jesus Christ said, man shall not eat by what? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our assurance and our hope is in the Lord and his word. So that last portion of prevailing grace will deal with this concept, putting on grace. Tell your neighbor, I'm putting on grace. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I want to open it with this message, Beyond a Call of Duty. Prevailing grace is a life lived in grace through the provision of the Holy Spirit. Say, I have brings forth a life of victory. It is not something that we boast in and say, I am walking around with prevailing grace. Or, I got this prevailing grace today. But it's truly a life that you live by the provision of the Holy Spirit. That you will live a consistent life of victory. Did you get me here? God has called us to live a life of what? Victory. From victory unto victory. He has not called us into a life of defeat, but has called us into a life of victory. Tell your neighbor, I have victory. Or if your neighbor is not telling you, find another neighbor that want to tell you that I got victory. Say, I got the victory. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got the victory. And as we go through this, you will come to understand why it is such a crucial thing to understand that you have to go beyond a call of duty. So it's not only about just saying that I have, I have a renewed mind, I have a changed mind today. 
But truly, the victory that Jesus Christ is talking about is a victory that you live it. It is manifested. It is evident. Hallelujah. So when we are dealing with prevailing grace, we are not dealing with just a concept that you go and pick up from the shelf, use it today, and after you are done using it, you put it back on the shelf. You get my point? Prevailing grace is life. You get my point? You live this life called prevailing. So everywhere you find yourself, like I've talked about for the past weeks and months, you understand this because, you know, let's look at this real quick. 2 Corinthians, before we go to Ephesians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8. We dealt on this last weekend at the prayer camp. And I read, this Apostle Paul, after the Lord has revealed the heavens to him, he was going through some thought in his flesh. And the Bible says in verse 8 that he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. To take it away from me. Three times. Not just once. Not just twice. But three times. The man had seen the beauty and the glory of God. But yet, when he realized the thorn in his flesh, he seek after the will of God. He seek after the presence of God. That take this away from me. But yet, the word of the Lord says, that, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. Now hear what Apostle Paul said. So that the power of Christ may rest on me. For this, that is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Study this very carefully. He says, for, that is for the sake of Christ, I delight in what? Weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, and in difficulties. Can I say that again? I delight in what? In weakness, and I want you to say it with me, in weakness, in, weakness. in, insult, in insult, in hardship, in, hardship. in persecution, and in difficulties. Let's ask ourselves the practicality of this grace. The reason why grace has to be a prevailing life is because this was not just one insult. You didn't get me. It just wasn't one time of a difficult situation. You didn't get me. But he listed and listed that I have weakness. I turn around and I see what? My insult coming. I turn around and I see my persecution coming. Everywhere he turned himself, he was facing some obstacles in life. But in the midst of the obstacles, God said, my grace is so sufficient. The grace has to be life that is within you. The grace has to be a prevailing life within you. That you cannot just say, I'm picking grace from the shelves, but I am living the presence of grace. That when I'm going through difficulties, grace is still at work. When I'm going through my weakness, uh, grace is still at work. Uh, when I'm going through my persecution, grace is still at work. Let everybody say all that I want to say about you. But all you want to say is grace is still sufficient. Uh, 
Let everybody insult you because of where you are from, because of any your accent, because whatever the case is. But say grace is still at work. Let everybody put you down. Let your life be a life that will go through difficulties. But you just got to say grace is still at work. Grace is life. And it's important that we understand that it's beyond just life. It has to be prevailing. Hallelujah. Tell neighbor, I'm not done. Verses 9. Look at it very carefully. It says that, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Right? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. Now hear this, how he ended it. So that the power of Christ will what? So not just saying I have a renewed mind and a renewed heart. But something else, grace has to rest upon you. So that is why the next months, however many months is left in this year, you are putting on grace. You are putting on grace. Tell your neighbor, I'm putting on grace. I'm putting on grace. Yeah. We need to seek beyond just saying that today I have grace. But you put on grace. The pastor cannot be there, but grace will be there. Yeah. We have now become, the children of God have now become so dependent on somebody praying for them. But the scripture did not teach us that. I want to evoke this out of you that you understand that the God you serve is greater and is your God. You need to understand that he is your God. Yeah, stop making him just your God of the pastor. Yeah. Because I want to teach you to understand this. You have to personally get to the very place and say, he is my God. Because you have encountered the presence of his grace. He is my what? God. He did not just say that my, his grace was going to, his power was going to rest on the pastor. He said that, that his power will rest, rest on me. You put yourself there. That, that, Christ, that Christ's power may what? Oh, you see, you're not saying it to yourself. The people are afraid of that power. That Christ's power will what? Oh, I can't hear you. That Christ's power will what? That Christ's power will what? God bless you for making it personal. That Christ's power will resign. Beyond a call of duty. Keep following me. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 to 10. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power, once again, this all-surpassing what? Power is from God, not from us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Meaning, this earthly body, this body of weakness, this body of limitation, we have this to show that the surpassing power that is working in us 
is not from us, but it is from who? God. What does that power mean? Continue. It says, because we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despaired, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not what? Destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in what? Our what? Body. We are what? Hard pressed on each side. Many of the time, many people come to know Jesus Christ and they think that when I come to Jesus, everything else should be okay. I should walk around, excited, and get all, you know, I should get my miracles, and I should walk around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. But prevailing grace says it's life. Meaning that you have to encounter being hard-pressed on both sides. Sometimes when you turn around, everywhere around you, you are being hard-pressed. In your workplaces, in your families, in your, in your finances, everywhere, it's being hard-pressed. But he says, in the midst of being hard-pressed, remember the all-sufficient power of Christ is still at work in me. When nothing is working the way you want it to work, when what you have been calling God for is not working the way you want it to work, he says that my grace is still sufficient. As long as we are in this flesh, struggles and challenges will not go away. But the key is that you will be able to what? Prevail. And to prevail, as we are ending that whole series this year, is to put on what? Grace. What is that putting on grace about? Putting on grace is putting on Christ Jesus. Putting on grace is putting on who? Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 13, and I want you to go there briefly. And I promise you, I will tackle this very soon. I don't know, I'm not even going to finish. So that's okay. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. I want to read. And do this, knowing the time, but now it's, it's high time to awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of what? Light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in the, not in uh, rivalry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Put on who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you put on Jesus, you make no provision for the flesh. You get it? Put on 
the Lord Jesus. Because when you have Jesus on you, when you have grace on you, there is no provision for the flesh. There is no provision for the flesh to say, I did it. There is no provision for the flesh to say, I want to this way. Look at the things that he talked about. Sometimes we are walking and living the life of a child of God, but yet inside of us is so much enviness. Can I preach it? Sometimes in the life of Christians, inside of us is harbored on, on us. It's harbored so much jealousy, so much enviness, so much strife. But put on Jesus Christ. Put him on you. That you will live a life that is worthy and pleasing to him. It's not just you, but also the pastor. I got to put on Jesus. Not just the day I want it. Because we are going to study this very, very carefully in the next couple of weeks. But you put this on. And you don't take this off. Hallelujah. Amen. We have become accustomed to put on our clothes. The next day we change and put on new clothes. But sometimes we think that's what... God is like as well. Today we put God on. The next day, I will speak my mind to you. I'll tell you how I feel. I don't like the way you looked at me. I don't like the way you were preaching because it looked like you were preaching at me. You were talking about me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can find every just cause. But it says what? Put on Jesus that there is no what? Provision. There is no feeding of the flesh. Mm? I hope this is getting into your skin. Yeah. You love me, you love me not. But I love you. And I got to tell you the truth. Put on Jesus that there is no more room for the face of this flesh to carry you over. Put on Jesus that your desire will be the desire of the flesh. It will not be the desire of the flesh, but it will be the desire of Christ Jesus. Put on Jesus so you remain what? Victorious. Hallelujah. Amen. So now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. As I, as I try to conclude this, putting on this grace. One of the things that the Lord was teaching me here was that many of the times, many of us have become so accustomed to some form of grace, or we've seen grace in one way. And that is the passive concept of grace, whereby we've all been saved by grace. So because of that, because of that notion, we go about to do whatever we feel like doing. Like grace should do everything else. But we can live any life we want to live. I can go about and do my sin and live in sin, but yet grace is still working. But Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, because of grace, should we continue on sinning? There is a reason why we are going to go through Ephesians 6, verses 10 going, putting on the full armor of God, which is the full armor of grace. Because God is calling us beyond the call of duty, that we become exposed to the active form of grace. Hallelujah. That we don't just find ourselves just walking under the passive form of grace, but we operate under the active form of grace. 
That is why this next couple of weeks we are dealing with the subject called Beyond the Call of What? Duty. Hallelujah. We have to rise beyond the call of duty. The call of duty of us being saved. But after you have been saved, you got to go beyond the salvation. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10. In the next couple of weeks, we will be dealing with this and also months. But I want to read this as an opening statement. Finally, my my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wills of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having gripped your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and these are the list of the armor of God, and having shoot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fairy dot, dot of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful for, to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterly alternate may be given to me. And that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that it, in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We are going to deal with all these armor of God. But I want to open our eyes on the fact that when Apostle Paul, prior to talking about the armor that we have to put on, began the statement with something that is important for us to understand. He says, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of what? His might. Hallelujah. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then he went on to say, put on the armor. You may think, the armor is, should be enough. But before he introduced that to you, he says, put, be strong in the Lord. The original language of the word being strong also means be increased in strength. So he was not just saying, put on this armor and let the place and the belt And the breastplate of righteousness stay the way it is. But it says, increase in the strength of righteousness. Increase in the very place of the truth of God's word. Increase in it. See, a lot of times what we want is that we have righteousness. 
But God is saying, I want you to increase in that. Because what you put on today has to grow tomorrow. What you put on today has to increase tomorrow. The afflictions of the righteous are many. But the question is that when the right, when the affliction rises, will, your, will your, the word of truth be able to withstand it? Will your righteousness be able to withstand it? So it says, be strong in the Lord. Simply saying, be increased in the face of God. Don't remain standstill. But let your life as a child of God increase. Let your place of salvation increase. I hope you are getting me here. Let your faith what? Increase. Let your understanding in the word of God increase. It means that as you grow, the armor grows with you. New white skin and new wine. They both will be preserved. There has to be an increase in your place of God. But this boils down to one thing that I'll be teaching next week. It's knowing your position when it comes to the armor of God. You have to know your position to understand this place of increase. I want to end by saying, beyond a call of duty simply means to do a lot more or go above than what you are required to do in your job. Beyond a call of duty. Our duty is to be saved. But God has called us to go beyond. We need to strive to go beyond the call of duty. You realize the thing that we will be teaching the next couple of weeks. We need to go beyond saying that I know Genesis chapter 1 verses 1. You need to be able to dig yourself in God's word. You need to increase in knowing the truth of God. You need to increase in the place of faith. Go beyond. Go what? Beyond. A call of duty is to put on grace. A call of duty is to know that the God that you have come to serve is a God that does exceedingly and abundantly. We have to have a desire and a hunger to respond to the call of duty. Not just saying that I have been saved by grace, but go beyond your place of salvation. Yearn after the face of God. Desire after the face of God. Develop a relationship to love him and walk with him. Develop a trust in his word. Develop to be like him and walk in the nature of him. Be go beyond a call of duty. The call of duty says that be saved by grace. But it says that 
Go beyond that. Let the grace of God work in you day after day. In every part of your life, be clothed with grace. That when challenges come, you can still stand firm. When situation changes, you will still remain standing. When nobody else will come to your aid, you still will remain standing. Respond to the call of grace. Go beyond this call. This next month's left, I want to challenge every one of you here. As we go through these series that you will find yourself yearning to grow in the very armor of God. Many of the times we have read this over and over since we become Christians. But ask yourself, where is the place? Where do you find yourself when it comes to upholding the truth of God? God wants you to go beyond. Because as you yearn to go beyond, he will reveal unto you great and mighty things. His word says in Jeremiah, that call upon me and I will answer. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things. There are some things that we can talk about today that the kids will never understand. God wants to talk to you, not with milk, but to be able to eat solid food. Yearn to go beyond the call of duty. Yearn to desire the call of duty. I just cannot find myself leaving this place. Go beyond as a child of God. Let not just say, I've come to church, it's enough. But your time in waiting before God in prayer. Your time in reading the word of God. Be a child of God that desire to go more beyond. Beyond what somebody can, food, can, can feed you. You see, at some point, if you're feeding children, if you've ever realized, at some age, you feed them, they receive. But at some point of their life, as they are growing, as you're feeding them, they are taking it out of you so they can feed themselves because you are delayed their growth. They want more, but you are trying to spoon feed them that you think is best. So they start to reach out for the spoon. Because what you are doing, you are delaying my process. You see, the kids understand the need to go beyond the call of duty. We need to go beyond the call of duty as a child of God. It's about time that we come to church and it's not about who is here, who is not here. But you can just enter into a presence and start to operate in the presence of God. It's about time that you meet somebody in your, in, in, your, in your path of life, in your workplace. You can just touch their hand and pray with them. And healing shall come forth. It's about time. It's about time. And I can't wait till next week when I, as I go there with this. For you to understand what the Lord has for you. Go beyond the call of duty. May you please rise.